today we will talk about Jets players at the skill positions about to hit free agency ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com, and thank you for making this show your first listen every day. Today, our episode is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips through the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com NFL to get the edge over the competition through this year's playoffs. Today we're going to discuss free agency for the Jets. We will talk about players at the skill positions who have expiring contracts. We'll talk about who they are, what it might cost the Jets to keep them, and how much of an effort the Jets should take to keep each player. Now, a lot of the focus is going to be at the wide receiver position because three of the top five wide receivers on this football team are about to hit free agency. And I think the biggest name is probably Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is one of the few free agent success stories of recent years for the Jets. In fact, if you go back through the Mike McCagnan era, there were not many good free agent signings. You had Steve McClendon back in 2016. You had Brian Poole back in 2019. Then you have Crowder. And it's difficult, once you get past those three, to come up with many good signings that McCagnan made. But Crowder ended up being a good signing. He was a reliable slot receiver for the Jets. For the first couple of years, he was probably the best receiver on the entire team. That was not the case in 2021. The Jets got a little bit more talent at the position, and Crowder admittedly had kind of a down year, probably the worst season of his career, as he battled injuries, kind of was finding his way in this new offense. But Crowder remains a quality receiver and a very reliable slot receiver. And ironically, as he was having the worst season of his of his career, I gained a newfound appreciation for him. You know, a year ago, I was a little skeptical of how important he was, but I've really come to appreciate what having a, a reliable slot receiver can do for an offense. And Crowder's just a professional. He's a guy who can help you move the chains. You can look to him on a third down play. I think he's part of the solution. Now, part of me feels like maybe his time has come to move on, and I don't know what the feelings are for Crowder because the Jets cut his pay in about half during the offseason. And I thought that was a necessary move. Crowder was not worth eight figures. You know, he was going to come with a cap number over $10 million. And for the players the Jets added, for Crowder's projected role in the offense, that just seemed like too too much money. So he took a pay cut. He ended up making, oh, around $5, 6000000 million this past season now. He's about to hit free agency, and he's coming off again, probably the worst season of his career. Only played 12 games, 51 catches, 447 yards, and two touchdowns. And what's interesting, some of these websites project what a player can expect to make in free agency. And for Crowder, it's all over the place. If you look at Pro Football Focus, they're projecting about a one-year deal worth around $4 million. Now you look at another website, SpotTrack. They're projecting a four-year deal worth $49 million. So Pro Football Focus thinks he's going to be on a one-year deal cheap, $4 million. 
Spotrac's got him on a multi-year deal making more than $12 million a year. The truth may lie somewhere in the middle here. My guess is that pro football focus is probably more accurate. You know, Crowder just took a pay cut this year. And he was making, I don't know, five, six million dollars. And then had the worst season of his career. And I know he's got a good reputation in this league. And I know receiver contracts are inflated. And quite frankly, free agency spending can be pretty dumb in the NFL. And it only takes one team to get to go overboard. But I don't know. He's making twelve million dollars a year. I've been wrong on these things in the past. And again, it only takes one dumb team out there. But it shows you the variation in the views of what Crowder might expect on the open market. And to me, like, depends on the price. Because at one year, $4 million as an insurance policy in the slot, that would not preclude the Jets from going out and getting a big-time receiver and maybe making Crowder the fourth receiver and making sure you have quality depth in your receiver group, which is always important. I think we've seen that through the years. You want to make sure you have good depth when you're developing a young quarterback. And at that price, Crowder is well worth the insurance policy. Whereas at $12 million a year, he's more of a featured player in this offense. And I think most of us agree, Jets want to upgrade this group of pass catchers. Now, this is not the dismal group Sam Darnold was throwing to, or Geno Smith was throwing to, or later in his Jets career, Mark Sanchez, not early, but later in his Jets career, Mark Sanchez was throwing to. Those were receiver groups that gave the quarterback no chance. I think Zach Wilson has a chance with the receiver group the Jets have put in front of him, but you'd like to upgrade it. You know, you'd like to have a group as good as possible, and there is a lack of that number one big-time target, and I think that's something you would like to add. So I don't think you can afford to pay Crowder that much, and again, perhaps that this ship has sailed. Perhaps Crowder's just ready to move on after the pay cut, after the bad season, Quite frankly, after all the losing with the Jets. I mean, the Jets have not won much in Crowder's time here. Maybe he's ready to move on, but I'd like to see the Jets try and keep him, assuming it's a cheap deal, assuming we're talking in the four, five, six million dollar range, I'd like to keep him. Now, the other big name who's about to hit free agency is Braxton Berrios, who had a good season. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. He produced when called upon. He was one of the best return men in the NFL. In fact, he was the first team all-pro kickoff return man. He was near the top of the NFL in punt return average. He carved out a role late in the season. He did a good job replacing Crowder in the slot when Crowder was hurt late in the season. The Jets were able to manufacture some some touches for him in place of Elijah Moore. Berrios is an interesting case. And Track, I, I did not see a pro football focus projection. Track has Berrios getting a contract worth around $6 million a year. And that I could see. I could see Berrios getting $6 million a year from some team. Here's the problem, though, and the people are not going to want to hear this. I'm very skeptical the Jets are going to give him that contract. And I'm not sure he's really worth that amount of money because you have to think about what Berrios' role is on this team. And you have to think about his production. And, you know, for all of the fanfare Braxton Berrios got this season... He had less receiving yards than Elijah Moore, even though Elijah Moore played five less games. I heard frequently how Corey Davis was a complete bust as a free agent signing. I've heard people say he's not any good. I don't agree with that, but a lot of people have said that. Braxton Berrios had less receiving yards than Corey Davis, even though Corey Davis played seven less games. We just talked about Jamison Crowder had the worst season of his career. Braxton Berrios had less receiving yards than Jamison Crowder, even though it was Berrios' best season and Crowder's worst. Keelan Cole, a guy who is criticized relentlessly 
I've heard him say he's not any good. Why did the Jets sign him? Waste of money. He had more receiving yards than Braxton Berrios. I'm not saying Braxton Berrios was bad. He had a good season. But you have to keep in perspective what his role is on this team. And that's as a return man. And that's as a backup slot receiver. And that's as a guy you manufacture a few touches a game for. More touches manufactured if Elijah Moore is out. He's a nice backup there. He's a nice insurance policy when Elijah Moore is out. He's the guy you can give the ball on end arounds, on jet sweeps, on screens, try and figure out ways to get him the ball in space. I like the way Mike LaFleur used him. I think Barrios carved out a role on this offense. But you have to understand what this role is. And for a guy who brings a lot of value, and a lot of the value is from the kickoff return game, you have to consider that the kickoff return game is becoming less and less, less and less relevant in this league. And at some point, the kickoff return game may be phased out. So I don't know that you pay a kickoff returner that much money. And again, he's a backup receiver, and he's a guy who maybe in an ideal world, if Elijah Moore is healthy, you figure out a way to get him one to two touches on offense, and maybe that increases when Moore's out, but you're not building your offense around him. He's a role player, and he was a good role player this year. And I don't mean to denigrate that, but... You have to understand the difference between a role player who is not as significant to the team's future and compare that to a guy who you're building your offense around. Barrios is not the kind of guy you're building your offense around. And I think in an ideal world, the Jets would be able to keep him. But here's the problem is that if you're Braxton Barrios, this is your one chance. This is probably your only opportunity to really get a big payday. So I'm sure he's loved being a member of the Jets. I'm sure that he appreciates the fans. I am sure that he appreciates the opportunity he's been given to put himself in this position. But you can't be loyal to the Jets if you're Braxton Berrios. You have to go out there and make as much money as you can because this is your one chance to cash in. And does he really make sense for the Jets at around $6 million a year? I mean, he probably makes sense for the Jets at about half that because, again, he's a role player. He did his job well. He performed his role well. But that role still produced less receiving yards than what Keelan Cole did this year. So these are things you have to keep in perspective. And for a player like Braxton Barrios, this is true of a lot of players. He's valuable to you in part because he's barely made the minimum the last few years. Once he starts making a couple million dollars a year, he's not quite as valuable to you. A guy like this is valuable because... Most players making the minimum give you zero in production. They give you zero value. They bring zero to the table. So in Berrios, and most of your players are making around the minimum, this is a guy making around the, this has been a guy making around the minimum who's given you some value. But once you start paying this guy a couple million dollars, the production doesn't look all that great. So he did a good job for this team, but this is the type of guy I think you have to be able to replace. This is not the type of guy you really stretch to keep, that you really make a big effort to retain. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the quarterback position. The Jets have a couple decisions to make, not so much with Zach Wilson, but with the guys behind him. The Jets are probably looking for an edge at the backup quarterback position this offseason. In fact, we're all looking for an edge these days, and I'd like to thank OnlineGambling.com for sponsoring today's podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving betters the edge. Through the playoffs, they're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to make your bets as informed as ever. This week, the experts at OnlineGambling.com set me the challenge of picking my divisional round upset, an underdog that, in my opinion, could pull off a huge victory. I like Buffalo, 
And I know you should not focus on regular season matchups. The fact they went into Kansas City on that Sunday night early in the season and blew out the Chiefs should not be that big of a deal. But it's in my head, and I thought the Bills played great against New England. I would not be surprised to see Buffalo go into Kansas City and upset the Chiefs. And if you're thinking of backing an underdog in the, the divisional rounds, make sure you go to OnlineGambling.com before you do. Because OnlineGambling.com gives bettors the edge by providing the best and most trusted information to help you make the best decision possible before placing a bet. That includes their OG tips section, where, they see their own, where you can see their own underdog picks as well, as the inside track on how to beat the odds through the NFL playoffs. Make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com NFL for all the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge through the playoffs. Remember, OnlineGambling.com NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Today we're discussing free agents to be for the Jets at the skill positions, and in this segment we're going to talk about quarterback. Now, we all know Zach Wilson is penciled in as the starting quarterback for the Jets in 2022, but it's not entirely clear who his backup's going to be. And the Jets have a couple of quarterbacks who started games for them in 2021 about to hit free agency. And one of them is Joe Flacco, who actually left the Jets in free agency a year ago. He was Sam Darnold's backup in 2020, left to go to Philadelphia for the 2021 season. And then when Wilson suffered a knee injury against New England, the Jets traded to get Flacco back. Flacco ended up starting one game for the Jets. It was against Miami. And it went about as well as you would expect a Flacco start to go at this point of his career. He was not that good. He essentially hit one big-time throw to Elijah Moore. Aside from that, he was maybe steady. He wasn't, you know, making big mistakes, but really wasn't moving the offense that much and had pretty much one big throw to Elijah Moore and did absolutely nothing aside from that. And for whatever reason, at a recent press conference with Jets decision-makers, they indicated they wanted to bring Flacco back. And it's like, why? Why do you want this guy back? He's not good anymore. Listen, this guy has had a great career. He won a Super Bowl with Baltimore, had a tremendous postseason run that year. But it's over for Flacco. It's been over for years. He just turned 37. Why do you want him back? Is he that good of an influence in the locker If he's that good of an influence in the locker room, bring him back as a coach. His productive playing days are over. I don't know that he can really help a team as a backup anymore. Time to move on. I just, uh, this one makes no sense why the Jets would want him back. I know Joe Douglas scouted Flacco when Douglas was in Baltimore and maybe played a role in the decision for the Ravens to go get him in 2008. But come on. No more Flacco. Let's move on. Now, a more interesting decision is Mike White. And of course, White was the hero of the game against Cincinnati, where the Jets upset the Bengals. White threw for 405 yards in his first career start and then played a good quarter the next week against the Colts on Thursday night before leaving that game with an injury. Then he played a really bad game against Buffalo, which knocked him out of the starting job. And Flacco took over as the starter the next week against Miami because Zach Wilson was still not ready to return. Now, my take on Mike White's probably going to be controversial. And it's not so much based on my opinion as it is based on the Jets' opinion of him. Because when the Jets put Flacco in the lineup against Miami, to me, that's a clear sign they don't believe in Mike White. They don't think Mike White can play. And if you don't believe in Mike White, I don't see why he's on the team. Because this is a guy who's going to have some degree of trade value this offseason. 
I'm sure there's some team out there. I'm not saying they're going to give up a first-round pick or a second-round pick or a third-round pick based on one game against Cincinnati and then a quarter against the Colts, but there's quality film of Mike White out there. And I have to believe there's some team that's willing to give up something for him. And if you don't believe in him, because if you're putting Joe Flacco into the lineup against Miami, that's a sign you don't believe in Mike White. This has nothing to do with my opinion. This just has to do with what the Jets view of the player. And they clearly don't believe in Mike White. Now, White's going to be a restricted free agent, which means the Jets have some degree of say over where he ends up. And I talked about this on Monday's show. I tried to do my best to explain what what being a restricted free agent means. And essentially what it is is that if the Jets offer White a one-year contract for a specific price, that means White is limited in where he can go this offseason. The Jets, first of all, would have the opportunity to match any offer another team made. And depending on the price, the salary of the one-year contract the Jets offered White, they may be entitled to compensation if White signs elsewhere and the Jets chose not to match. So there's one price the Jets could put on White. They could offer him a one-year contract at a certain amount, and that would mean that not only could they match any offer another team made for Mike White, it would also mean that they could get a second-round pick in return if they chose not to match the offer. And I don't think any team's giving up a second-round pick for Mike White. So if the Jets offer White the the one-year contract at the price that would entitle them to a second-round pick in compensation... It would probably be pretty easy to get White under contract, but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to keep the player. There are frequently trades involving restricted free agents. If you go back nine years, the Jets acquired Chris Ivory from the Saints, which ended up being a really good trade that John Idzik made. Ivory ended up having a couple really good seasons for the Jets at the running back position. At that point, Ivory was a restricted free agent, And the Jets and Saints were able to work out a trade. Even though Ivory had the one-year offer from the Saints that entitled New Orleans to a second-round pick if he went elsewhere, the Jets and Saints were able to work out a trade where the Jets sent the Saints a fourth-round pick. So just because you give the guy the one-year contract that entitles you to a second-round pick if you don't match, that doesn't tie you into that compensation. You can work out a deal with another team to get a a lower pick in return for a player, just as the Jets and Saints did with Ivory. And I think an approach like that probably makes sense for Mike White, because, again, I don't think the Jets really believe in him. After Wilson got hurt, their first move was to trade for Flacco, which was a clear sign they did not believe in White. Then the first chance they got, they pulled White from the lineup after one bad game and put Flacco in there. So if you don't believe in a guy, and he's got some degree of value, get something for him, even if it's, you know, a day three pick. It's better than nothing, because... If you bring White back for one year, he's just going to leave next offseason because, again, you don't believe in him. So you have an opportunity to get compensation for a player, a player you don't really believe in. Just take it. And, you know, you may like Mike White. You may want to see him on the team. I, I don't blame you after the way he played this year. But if the Jets don't believe in him and they're not going to give him an opportunity, and they did not give him an opportunity when they had the option this year, I say you just get something in return for him. And I know that's a very controversial take, but this goes back to what the Jets think. It's not so much what I think or what you think. If the guy's not really going to get an opportunity, and the Jets pretty much went out of their way to not give Mike White the the opportunity this year, get something in return for him while he still has value. Because a year from now, he's going to leave, and you're not going to get anything for him. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll close out the show. I'll talk about a couple of role players at skill positions about to hit free agency. 
I just discussed the Mike White situation, which is a bit unusual. And people think that unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and are renting it out, or maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. For TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all of your tax questions right from your phone or computer. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you. Whether you've launched your own startup or are working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes, an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire filing process or do your taxes for you from start to finish to get you the tax deductions you deserve. Visit TurboTax.com for more information. You do your thing, they've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Thursday, talking about free agents to be for the Jets at skill positions this offseason. And we're going to close out the show today by talking about a couple of role players about to hit free agency for the Jets. Now, one of them is Tevin Coleman. And Coleman kind of entered this season as a wild card. The Jets got him on a very cheap contract in the offseason. And the reason they got him on a cheap contract is that he did not play much in 2020. He's kind of aging as a running back. It was not clear how much he had left in the tank. And I think he was pretty good. I was impressed with Coleman. In fact, early in the season, I wondered why the Jets were featuring him in the offense to the extent they were. And by the late stages of the season, it became clear to me that he still had something left to provide. Now, this is not vintage Tevin Coleman with Atlanta. I think the game-breaking speed that was his trademark is gone. I'm not sure he's the home run hitter anymore. But I think he's got enough left to be effective. He's got a lot of experience in the run game the Jets have installed under Mike LaFleur. A good zone runner, decisive, he has good vision. And he also is pretty good in the passing game. Now, I cannot imagine a back at his age is looking at a big contract. And Coleman, for me, is almost like a perfect fit for this team. I'd like to find a back to pair with Michael Carter to be maybe Carter's 1A. But... As a number three back, Coleman makes sense to me for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think he's shown he can still handle a limited workload and be effective. Second is that he provides a veteran presence. So he can take a young back like a Carter, and maybe if the Jets draft a second back to pair with Carter, he can kind of show those guys how to prepare, how to be professionals. Third is that he's always had a good reputation in the passing game. And that's both as a receiver, but also as a blocker. And that's important because... When you're dealing with young backs, they frequently struggle in pass protection. It's one of the things that, it may be the biggest thing that keeps a young back off the field is if he cannot pass protect. You want to be able to get young running backs on the field. It becomes trickier if you don't have a guy who can pass protect. So having Coleman there gives you a steady hand on passing downs in case one of the young guys is not ready to to take on a more prominent role on passing downs. He's a guy you can send out there and trust to do a credible job. So for me, he's just a good fit. He's not going to cost much. To me, he's like an ideal number three back. Now, if for some reason he expects more money, if for some reason some team's willing to give him a crazy contract, I would not bring him back. And if he wants to be like a featured back in this offense, again, I would not bring him back. But a guy who gets a couple touches a game, does a credible job, helps out in the locker room, shows the young guys how to prepare, maybe shows the young guys some technique, pass protection, understands his role and does it well, I would like to see Tevin Coleman back on a cheap deal. And then finally, you have Keelan Cole. 
And Cole raised some eyebrows this past offseason. The Jets gave him a contract, a little over $5 million for one year. And it was clear Cole was not going to be a featured player on this offense. And to me, this was kind of like a reaction to what happened to the Jets in 2020, where they had injuries at the receiver position, so they had to go out and got, sign a guy like Chris Hogan, who really had nothing to provide. Or they had to put Lawrence Cager out there at wide receiver, a very raw rookie. They wanted to avoid that. And Cole you know, gives some degree of professional presence in the lineup. A decent depth player. I don't think Cole had a great season. To me, Cole is like a number five receiver. He's not going to be consistent. I mean, there were some issues with catches he probably should have made that he failed to come up with. But he had his moments. He had a big catch against the Tennessee Titans in the final game against Buffalo. He had a long catch and run for a touchdown, played a good game against the Bills. So for me, he's like a number five receiver. He's not a guy you want to run out there every week, but if you need somebody who can make plays for like one week, that would be help. He, he can help you out there. That comes with a lower price tag, though. I mean, the only reason, I, the only way I'd bring Cole back is if he took a deal much closer to the minimum, maybe around a million dollars or so. I think the Jets probably overpaid him last offseason. And I understand why they overpaid him again, because again, with a rookie quarterback, you want to make sure that you're at least throwing to NFL caliber targets. So I don't really, even despite the fact that Jets did not really get their money's worth, I cannot take great issue with the signing of Cole, but it has to be more cost-effective this offseason. Because if he's coming back as a number five receiver, that's a role you could argue may be better served going to a young, inexperienced player, get him the practice reps, try and develop him into something more. I can see giving it to a guy like Cole, though, again, just to have like a veteran presence, Make sure you're not running out, you know, a, a guy who doesn't belong in the NFL. Cole's an NFL player. I don't think he's a great NFL player. I think I think he's a backup. So I think the price tag has to go down if Cole comes back. I don't have any objections to Cole, for Cole coming back as the number five receiver at like a million dollars. But this is not a guy I'm really stretching to keep. I, there's another, there are other Keelan Coles out there who probably come cheaper. There's no way I'm giving him another five million dollars to return. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.